Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. So I just do cold open, like we always do when we, we go on here, and just, just talk into the conversation, talk into the podcast. Just start, just literally start recording Oh, right I already now. did start recording, so if Kist wants to use this, it's Oh, point. good. I've been recording for the past, like, two minutes Welcome to BGN seconds, Radio. Yeah. I am Brandon Lee Gowton. I am here today, uh, joined by another voice you may have heard, or may not have heard, depending on if the cold open stays <laughs> into this podcast. That's all up to Michael Kist. Mike, leave the cold yes, open. Do we'll see. Coward. Uh, the voice you're hearing right now is Benjamin Solak Ben. How's it going, brother? Oh, BLG. Every day is a good day to be alive, my man. Can't ask me silly questions like this. You should already know. <laughs> uh, but- this is no, but this is nice. We're both back from summer vacation. Yes. You were in Canada for like two weeks. Or you were in like the Pacific Northwest yes. for a while with Canada a little bit. I was in Canada for a few days. I actually went to Canada during the fourth of July, which is very un American of me. Wow. Um, it's like the opposite of America. Like I think right. you should be banned from the country now. But it was okay, but it was funny because when you were gone. In my role as deputy editor, which 50 weeks of the year, I do no editorial anything whatsoever because I just couldn't even keep up with you if I tried. You were gone for two weeks and I was like, all right, let's like, I just got to just make sure the site doesn't die. And then all of a sudden I realized what it's like to be BLG, like one one thousandth mm. of it in terms of like, I would read something on the timeline and be like, oh, that's interesting. And then I'd have to stop, scroll back and be like, how can I make this about the Eagles? Hmm. And I figure out the strategy. And then just the sheer inundation, like we're, we're like a chill time frame. It's like a chill time of, of the year. And yet still it's like, there's just posts constantly going up and everything. And so the second you got back, I went on vacation because I was needing that. Um, and I had my few days off and now we're both back. So basically you're saying it's not easy to be me, Ben. I, it's not easy to be like one one thousandth of you during the off season. <laughs> I can't imagine being you in the season with everything going on. Like of oh, the Eagles Super Bowl run. Like didn't how did you not just expire? How did you not just like crumble into dust? Well, I almost did. Last off season was just uh I was just like burnout. I think a lot of Eagles. Right, I remember were... by the end of the Super Bowl and the Minneapolis week, you were like Yeah. I just want the season to be over. <laughs> I don't care. I, I couldn't get home, too. There was a whole delay. But but we're off the beaten right. path here to start, which is fine. It's a July podcast. It doesn't really matter. It's not that serious. But um, I just wanted to mention, Ben, this is our first podcast together since the big hit of hashtag Jersey yeah. Number Analytics. So we're probably going to have to come up with some kind of hashtag by the end of this podcast. Not right now, by the end. So we make people listen to the whole thing in order to get that hashtag and then get involved in the conversation on Twitter and such. So. Uh, we'll see if we can come up with that later um but here we are ben we are two weeks away from training camp we are less than one month away into the first preseason game and we're just under two months away from the first regular season game eagles versus washington week one at the link in philly it's coming up here ben how are you feeling feeling like one and oh brother <laughs> that's how <laughs> no i feel worries. too 
Yes, I agree. So also just wanted to mention at the top here, because I guess we mentioned it at the end a lot, but should probably mention it at the top as well. Uh, Apple podcast ratings, reviews, subscribe, all that good stuff. Please do that. Help support the podcast. Uh, We really appreciate it. Uh, Give us some feedback. And now, Ben, there's a ton of news to discuss, clearly, uh, at this time of year. I mean, the NFL supplemental draft was earlier this week. One whole pick was made. Hey, let's not be disparaging the supplemental draft. <laughs> I love the supplemental draft because it, it's a perfect low stakes thing in terms of like nobody actually remembers that it exists. And then we're in the July doldrums and people are like, oh, I wish something football would happen. <laughs> and then somebody tweets out like, oh, hey, supplemental drafts in like a week. And then it's just sharks. It's just like, oh, this is so important right now. And it's really not. It's not. But people go nuts for it because there's literally nothing else going on. It's the only thing that happens in the dead zone. And once it's over, there is nothing until training game begins soon. So so that's we're, we're just kind of waiting around right now. And as we are waiting, we have one little tiny bit of news. It's, a, it's just a small morsel. It's the biggest thing we could possibly have at this time of year, probably. And that is that Carson Wentz is reportedly working out with his teammates in Houston this week as a sort of passing camp like he did back in 2017 in North Dakota. So not only, you know, practicing with his teammates on the field, uh, the only teammates I know there for sure, just based on social media, are Nelson Aguilar and Mac Collins. I'm sure, you know, some other receivers and tight ends and whatnot are out there, running backs. Um, but that's all we know for now. And I think that's good. I like to see that. Uh, it's just a tiny thing, but it's also kind of, you know, a chance for Carson to bond with his teammates and kind of maybe, no, I'm not going to say mm-hmm. put to rest, but, you know, counter the story from January. Of course, the Philly Voice report about him not being the best teammate. So just good to see him take oh, a leadership role. I can't wait to talk about that next story in context of everything that happens for the 2019 Eagles. Good things happen. Well, remember that January story. Bad things happen. You see when, if you read the January story... Etc. 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 I have no. What, what do you mean by that, Ben? I have no idea where you're going with that. I meant in the sense that, like, Mike and I made this joke in terms of anytime the Eagles are up by like multiple scores in the fourth quarter. Yes. There's just gonna be people on Twitter screaming, "Why oh, is yeah. Carson still yes. in? He's injury prone, right?" Yeah. So with this, with the January for the Voice story, which is about Carson not necessarily being a favorite in the locker room and Carson really struggling with the love for Nick Foles, you know, the Eagles are gonna be winning. They're gonna, you know, like do what they did in 2017. They're all gonna like pose for a, a, a you know, a, a picture in the end zone, and immediately Twitter's gonna be full of people like, "Imagine believing that Carson Wentz <laughs> was not loving Nick Foles and thinks everybody loves teammates, his best quarterback, and they're all friends." For, and then also the Eagles will like drop a week nine game to like the Vikings, right? Like some like bad loss that they shouldn't have against a middling team. You know, uh, Deshaun Jackson's going to say in the locker room that like, you know, did he just like, you know, he, he wished that he had more targets, right? Like mm-hmm. he wished he'd have been a bigger part of that game. Like he had like three targets, one catch, five yards, whatever. Oh, everybody, Carson Wentz, January, when everybody knows that he targets Zach Hurts too much and he, the locker room is unstable and adding Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> like, it's just, there's no way a story like that goes away independent of what actually happens in the upcoming season. Like, we'll refer back to it inevitably and incessantly. And I'm excited for that because that's just what it is to work in, in sports media in the digital age. It's just constant referential content well speaking of being excited ben that's why we are here today um however minutes we are into this podcast like seven already without even saying the the point of this episode is uh, but you'll see it in the title so that's fine listen i I ain't john stolenus brother i ain't got a plan i'm just here shooting from the hip me too and again it's july so i'm just giving myself that extra you know excuse and wiggle room that just nothing really matters we can just podcast about anything and uh no one will even listen to it because you know it's july um no one's even around no one's listening to this no one's 
someone's downloading this. Uh, it's right. fine. We can say whatever we want without any kind of repercussions. Or Danelle uh, Pumphrey's making the team. Oh, well, you had to go there. No repercussions. You said I had a free pass. This is why we're here today, Ben. We were talking about, well, that's actually on your list, tease, um, okay, that we're going to talk really. about things that we are excited about the 2019 Eagles. It doesn't have to just be players or I guess a specific thing. It could be whatever. We're just talking about things mm-hmm. we're looking forward to, things we're excited about. This is kind of the counterpart to last week's BGN Radio episode uh, 60. One, I believe, with John Stolnitz and I when we were talking about kind of the sneaky concerns of the team and some people in response to that podcast predictably were like, oh, why are you guys focusing on the negative stuff? It's like, well, we're, we're going to be focusing on both sides. It's just that last week we we're doing that and this week now we're doing the positive stuff. So, uh, Ben. Why don't you – no, actually, sorry. Why don't I get us started off with this because it kind of – Healthy. Wow. It, it kind of gets – oh, it's tied into what we were talking about. Um yeah, so, so I want to bring it up here, and that is for Carson Wentz to prove everyone wrong this season. I cannot wait to watch Carson Wentz again. There's the, – the conversation around Carson Wentz, not entirely. There's a lot of Eagles fans who are excited about him. And obviously, you have a number of national analysts predicting he's going to win MVP. So there's definitely hype out there for him and buzz for him uh, in a positive way. But I still feel like, and maybe it's just because it's a, a loud minority, or I just feel like there's this group of people out there who are just so down on him and acting like he's not even good at all, or he's just like definitely going to get hurt like week one. And I'm just tired of that. I'm tired of that negativity. I can't wait for him to prove everyone wrong again. And I just, I feel so confident in it, Ben. This isn't just, at least I hope, me like projecting this into happening. He's healthy. He fully participated in spring. Uh, he has a ton of weapons on offense. Like there is every reason to believe that he can have a very special season. And now, you know, if you want to bring up the injury concern thing to me, like that's that's just such a non-starter in the sense of like, yeah, he could get hurt. No one can control that. You know what I mean? Is it's just like he is or he isn't. Like, are you, we just gonna are we supposed right. to just like wait around holding our breaths, expecting him to get hurt? Or like, no, I, I can't live like that. I'm gonna assume he's gonna play all 16 games and he's gonna be healthy until something unfortunate happens. So that's my mindset going into it. I'm really excited to see Carson Wentz. I feel like this is a whole new, like, turning the page, as I've talked about many times before in terms of 2017 season and the 2018 season just kind of all seem like one big blur. They kind of rolled into each other. Now, this is a new kind of era. Like, Nick Foles is gone. It's only Carson Wentz. It's Carson Wentz's team. He's going to have an awesome year, and I'm really looking forward to it. I, this this actually ties in with, like, the last thing that I put on my list. It was going to be my kicker, but I can bring it up here in the front because – I'm I'm generally excited for Carson to yeah like be healthy, prove everybody wrong, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, just because it's nice to talk about other things, and I would love for the Eagles to get to a point where we like don't talk about the quarterback position anymore. You know what I mean? Like, like since I've started doing uh, Eagles media, we've been talking about the quarterback position. Like I pretty much started when you know they they had, they had to go draft the quarterback when they were moving up to go select Carson, and so. We've never not been talking about the quarterback position. It'll be nice to be one of those teams. You know, you think about like Atlanta right now, Seattle right now. You know, you could even say not really like New Orleans and New England because they have to worry about retiring. But just like guys who have quarterbacks in their late 20s, early 30s, in their primes who are going to be there for another like 8, 10 years. That's awesome. Like That's got to be great because you could focus on so many other things. And I was reflecting on that the other day. Because I was in like a Josh Sweat argument or some bickering about some fourth stringer. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, there's nothing better than like July and like the thing we have to 
bicker about is like a depth piece on a really good team. Like that feels cool. But I'm excited for the kind of the other side of the Carson Wentz coin, which is I don't have to answer any questions about Nick Foles anymore. And that's probably not true, right? Because Carson's going to throw one interception and someone's going to tell me that Just the Eagles should have kept Nick Foles. Yeah, the big, his, like, it'll be week eight. He'll be 27 and zero, right? So he'll break Nick Foles' 27 and two record, throw an interception, and somebody's going to come around. They're going to say that Nick Foles, uh, you know, the Eagles should have retained Nick Foles. Why did they keep Carson Wentz? But with Foles now gone and in Jacksonville, unless Carson tanks low percent chance and Foles excels in Jacksonville also low percent chance we really won't be having any more you know oh is Nick Foles actually a better quarterback than Carson Wentz conversations they're very unlikely to happen and if Carson Wentz just is good as you're most excited for then even if Foles is playing well really like that Foles over Wentz faction of Eagles fans is going to fall silent because their team's going to be winning on the back of, of a younger more dynamic franchise future sort of a player so I'm excited that we finally get to tuck in, kiss goodnight, and lay to rest. Nick Foles over Carson Wentz. Why is it Nick Foles starting? I want to see Nick Foles play Nick Foles, Nick Foles, Nick Foles. I'm with you there, Ben. Um, so I guess I'll go to my next one, since that kind of was one of yours on your list, correct? That's fair to do. <laughs> you just, it's, this is going back and forth. You're allowed. <laughs> this one kind of ties into what I just said, but more specifically, just having Deshaun here. I mean, that is that's huge. Obviously, watching him in OTAs and minicamp has just—it's been so much fun. Put aside winning and losing for a second. I know I know that can be hard to do, but just put that aside for a second and just think about like how much football brings you joy, like watching the game and and just being excited by like a big play. Well, guess what? Deshaun Jackson's back, baby, and he's going to bring big plays back to this team. So I'm just excited for that. And it's not even just that. Again, it's not even just—it's very easy to think Deshaun, you know, deep threat, and he's going to do that. But it's not just that. Like, he's going to make an impact in other parts of the field. Like, it's not going to just be the deep game. He's also going to have some underneath throws that'll be there, hopefully. Um, we saw a bunch of that in OTAs and minicamp. Like, Deshaun and Carson Wentz, even though they've barely worked together in, in the scope of their careers, already seem to have, like, this really good chemistry. So I'm just so excited to see that. I mean, someone asked me in the BGN mailbag uh, for today that's on BleedingGreenNation.com, like, what do you think the first play is this season? And I'm, or he specifically asked, what's the first touchdown? And to me, like... The Mike Vick to Deshaun yeah, how could you reenact exactly, the whole thing. Exactly. How could you not say that? Like, how could you say anything else other than that? Like, it's not even possible. Like, why would you say a uh, Jordan Howard two-yard rushing touchdown? No, like, how could you possibly <laughs> even say that? Like, the only place your mind naturally goes mm-hmm. when you're thinking about that is Wentz to Deshaun, 75-yard touchdown on the first play against Washington it's going to be so awesome. Deshaun's going to have a really big year in terms of giving those impact plays to the Eagles. I think it works both ways, Ben. I think Deshaun is easily the best deep threat that Carson Wentz has ever worked with. And again, I think you can make the case that Carson is the best quarterback that Deshaun has ever worked with. So mm. just thinking about that conceptually is just, it's, it's making my mouth water, Ben. It's just, right. it's, which isn't a good thing. I mean, it's just football. I shouldn't be doing that. But it's really <laughs> exciting. I'm getting really excited about this. Maybe too excited already. Let's go to your thing next, Ben. Well, I do want to ask real quick. Okay, Deshaun Jackson, over under 800 receiving yards. Yeah, I heard you guys talking about this. You're trying to, what are you trying to do here? Trying to like. Not trying to trap you. You're just really excited. So are you on the over? I want to look at Mike Clay's projections before, before I It's 805, brother. It's 805. So what the over under is what now exactly? 800. Mm. Stop stalling. I will take the 
under on that just because oh. think back to the Super Bowl season, Ben. They didn't even have a 900 yard receiver. Like they spread no, the ball I around agree. so much. I agree. I agree. He's and I wanted to take plays. the under. I chickened out. Yeah, I'm taking the under, but it's it's like it's not even a bad thing. Right. I want to get into this a little bit here, Ben, because I was talking about this uh, in my wide receiver post for training camp preview on bleedinggreennation.com. And I had mentioned, you know, like Alshon having something like 900 yards. And uh, I kind of mentioned like that would be a good season for him as a number one on this team. And someone mm-hmm. was like, well, that's not even a thousand. Like that's not even one of the top one wide receiver numbers around the league. And I'm like, that doesn't necessarily mean everything on this team. Right. Like, again, the Super Bowl year, Alshon had only 700 something yards. So if he could get to 900, that would be great. But I'm right. off the beaten path a little too much here. Ben, what is your next thing that you're really excited about? We've had two off the beaten paths so far in the podcast. Let's keep that rolling. I... And I brought out this player up earlier, but when I look at this team, there's very few spots where I say, all right, like we really need this young guy to, you know, it is his first opportunity for big starting role, big playing, you know, rotational piece, a lot of snaps. And we really need him to step up if, you know, this unit is going to be fine. You know, it's going to be what it was last year and he's going to fill a void that was left by a departure. There's really very few of that in Philly. Like there's... And a lot of analysts have talked about this. The Eagles may not have some of the star power of other teams, but they're ridiculously deep at a ton of positions. And it goes back to really good contract management. But the one spot, and you know, we've talked about this a lot, where you really need a young guy to step up is potentially defensive end. And that's why I'm really thrilled to see what Philadelphia has in Josh Sweat. Because Josh Sweat is a fourth-round pick out of Florida State in the 2018 NFL Draft. The context behind that is with multiple knee injuries, Sweat was just a guy who, like, Florida State didn't even have him taking full practice loads over the course of his career there because they just wanted to keep him fresh and and lower his contact numbers just because of how bad his knees were beat up. So he falls because of that. He also played in like a square stance at Florida State. Like he was like a two-gapping player. They very rarely just like let him get off the ball and rush the way he does in Philadelphia. And so while, you know, some people, birds with friends, like to make fun of me for <laughs> appreciating Josh Sweat, and from a draft analyst perspective, I didn't like him nearly as much as some other guys did. And I knew that he would kind of need a year to transition. I thought that he would need a year to, to to get his sea legs under him in a more penetrating style of a role. Now that he's in year two, there's a clear gap of snaps left in terms of Derek Bar- or, uh, not Derek Barnett, Michael Bennett and Chris Long now both off the team. Sweat is a big opportunity to win edge four, if not maybe an edge three by the time we get later in the season, depending on what Vinnie Curry brings. Hmm. Sweat's development is big to the defense. Um, and, and so I'm really excited when I looked at Sweat from a draft perspective, he was a player I thought would break out in year two. Like that would be the year for him, year two, year three, not a year one player. So this is when I'm starting to expect to get something from Josh Sweat. I think he's important. So I'm really excited to see him produce the way I hoped he produced after a year of, of learning and developing. A couple questions for you, Ben. First of yes. all, how many snaps do you think Josh Sweat plays this year in terms of percentage of defensive snaps? Oh, this was something I was looking into for a post when I talked about how much edge four really matters. And I think I put yeah. him around like 25-30. Okay, because that would be on the lower end in terms of what the Eagles you know, have been doing with the likes of the guys they've had you know, recently. Back when they had like right. the peak of you know, Chris Long, Derek Barnett. Brandon Graham, Vinnie Curry in 2017. Right. Everyone was at least like 40-something, like 45. I think everyone was at least there. And even last year, yeah. well, it was a little different, you know, because of the, the, the Barnett injury and everything. But basically, you right. know. Right. So I have, the, I have the post up in front of okay, me. Cool. So 
as last year when they were healthy, Derek Barnett obviously only played six games, but the Eagles rotation was nuts. Brandon Graham, 47 snaps a game. Michael Bennett, 45. Derek Barnett, 39. Chris Long, 38, right? For the games that they were healthy, which in the... Before week eight, when Barnett officially went on IR, the Eagles played seven games. In six of them, Edge four took at least 40% of the snaps. And then after week eight, it was under 20% almost the entire time. There was pretty much one week where they tried to get Josh Sweat to be a big part of the rotation. It just didn't happen. And so they liked to keep Edge four in 2017, 2016, when they had better, better players. Obviously, 2016 was Marcus Smith, so not necessarily great, but... Mm. They tried to keep Edge for around 40% of the snaps. I don't think Sweat will get there, but 30 is fine and significant. Like, 30 matters. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most confident, how confident are you that Josh Sweat can be, like, a real contributor to this year's team? Six. Ooh, interesting. I would yeah. probably... I know, if I you think answer, he's like a, I know you think he's, like, a quiet cut candidate, which is just bananas. No, I don't think that's so much anymore. I saw enough flashes in the spring, and I just think how things are going to go there. I think he makes the team. Um, yeah. Although the injury thing is still weird to me. Like, that's kind of, like, lingering in the back of my mind. He's just... He's he's always going to be a, a rotational guy, because he's never yeah. going to be trusted to be healthy. But, because you plugged... I got to plug now. Go how ahead. much does edge depth matter to the Eagles? That was a May post. Go check it out. It's a good one. See, I'm more at, like, a four right now with him. Uh, in terms of what I actually expect. I'll tell you right now, Sharif Miller ain't beating him out, brother. Well, I So agree. they got to add somebody. I know. That's the problem. That's why I'm concerned. That's why in last week's episode, I believe we talked about the edge depth being a yep. concern. Uh, so moving on, I'm, I'm really kind of sticking with the offense here to start. But uh, just having an improved backfield is just such a... Oh, this one's mine. Well, we're stealing each. It's fine. We can both uh, share yeah, this yeah. one because we'll probably go long anyway here. And uh, just going through like last year's rushing stats, I don't think we realize like... I don't know if we we really realize how bad the Eagles running backs were last year. Like they were famously bad. So I did this podcast with our good friends over at Philly Press Box. Um, have you ever been on their show, Ben? I don't think so. Well, I, that's who's, because who's I'm, the host I'm more important than you. Anyway. Um, um, no one's arguing with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I did a live show with them up in Langhorn, and they asked like a trivia question, and one of the the questions was like, who was the Eagles' leading rusher in 2018? And there was like this bar full of Eagles fans there, like a lot of people, like at least 30 or so, maybe 40, and like no one could guess Josh Adams. <laughs> and I don't blame them because that's such a ridiculous mm-hmm. answer. He only had... 511 yards last year, and yet he was their leading rusher. He had one carry in the playoffs, Ben. Like, they didn't even trust him to play in their most important games. And this guy was their leading rusher. So it's just ridiculous um, that that was the case. And again, uh, what did they finish with here? They were a little bit on a little bit over fifteen hundred total rushing yards, including scrambles. Yeah, which is like bananas. Only low. only two NFL teams rank worse than them in terms of rushing yard per play. So their efficiency right. was just like abysmal. Right. Which Josh Adams five hundred eleven was the 39th leading rusher in terms of twenty eighteen. <laughs> and so Gosh. all thirty two teams hypothetically, I don't actually know, but like. Every team had a rusher better than Adams, Mm -hmm. and then six teams had another rusher better than Adams, (laughs) and then Adams comes in. I get, like, the whole running back doesn't matter thing. I get the concept of that. But, like, can we not take it to this extreme? Like, can we make it, like, that running back isn't super important, but it's, like, can we just, you know, have it be somewhat decent? Uh, And thankfully, the Eagles obliged us, I think, in getting Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders 
uh, this year. And now I have questions about both of those guys. I think you do too, Ben. We all do really here. BGN Radio. You know, Jordan Howard's efficiency has yes. been declining. Miles Sanders has question marks as, you know, uh, a prospect coming into the NFL, not being a proven player, pass protection, fumbling issues, uh, workload, everything. Just the fact that he did not participate in minicamp and OTAs, not training camp, Ben, minicamp. And OTAs. Okay, hush. I had to get that in there. Yeah, so, it's, but even with the question marks there, I just feel much more excited to see some players who might actually give something to this team, like might actually at least be better. Like, it's a low bar, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's such a low yeah. bar. Like, they don't even have to be awesome. If they can just be like even kind of average ish, I think that's an upgrade from what the team got last year. Again, when Josh Adams right. is your leading rusher. And Wendell Smallwood, who was phased out of the running back rotation at one point entirely for the second year in a row and also ranked, I think, dead last in, in pro football focuses, um, like elusive rating, like just did not make people miss at all. I think he, he had no. one run of 15 yards or more, and it was exactly, I think, 15 yards, like just not a dynamic threat at all. Uh, to have Sanders here and have Howard here, and get, hopefully getting Corey Clement back healthy. Um, I just, you know, I feel excited to watch those running backs this year. You said you brought up elusiveness. This is my addendum to this, because like I said, I my mind, I put it in the phraseology in terms of we might have an RB1, like big question marks, but <laughs> you said elusiveness, right? Listen, Miles Sanders had a run against Michigan State where he made like three people miss, and that's three times as many people as Josh Adams <laughs> made miss all year, right? And he did it on one play, and it was like one of those great like Saquon Barkley ass runs, right? Like big bounce, like change of field, you know, vision and like instincts, and he's just he just looks natural, right? He's just like kind of bouncing off people, making people miss, cutting here, shooting there it was great. I don't love Sanders, but mm -hmm. athletically he's great, and he has the ability to mentally be making the second guy miss while he's physically making the first guy miss and so he strings together those runs and so like even though i don't love him i acknowledge that sanders is a player who when he touches the ball has the potential to create something that is objectively better than anything the eagles had last year and that alone is exciting because i don't feel like run plays are just like keep the defense honest plays or like you know don't throw Carson Wentz's arm off physically by making him throw every play plays. You know what I mean? Like, so Sanders is exciting because he's at least dynamic and that's going to provide something the Eagles didn't have last season. So I also have listed down potential trade deadline shenanigans mm. because as we talked about, the Eagles are very deep. I love the trade deadline. I think it's such a fun, interesting time for the NFL. Um, it's going to be obviously very much more active in recent years, which I think is a lot of fun. You manipulate comp pick formula, stuff like that, you know, as we know how he did with Golden Tate last year. Um, but the Eagles with Nelson Aguilar on his fifth-year deal, his fifth-year option, uh, unlikely to be retained given the state of the wide receiver and tight end rooms, uh, the potential to maybe get something back for him for a team who likes his value and is willing to extend him and wants to secure him before he hits free agency. You're going to have a ton of corners, and hopefully by week eight, week nine, when the trade deadline is, you're going to know who your actual starters are, so you're going to have some young guys who simply just don't have uh, you know, the potential to be starting this year. There are potential guys who could go on the block as well. The trade deadline is objectively a ton of fun, and if Philadelphia is in like a competing position, and let's say Josh Sweat isn't really stepping up, let's say that you know they lose you know, God forbid, like some, you know, like, like Brandon Brooks, like they lose Brandon Brooks, you know, he's not able to come back for the season, he re-injures, and they want to add some guard depth. Like when you have that one hole left that maybe could keep you from being a Super Bowl competitor, trade deadline, you have some movable young pieces on the really deep positions of your team. Now you can go get that one veteran who never got his ring, who's just on a losing team, you bring him in, you shore up that last spot, and then you feel comfortable going into the playoffs. And so the Eagles are, are I 
always you anticipate them kind of being an active trade deadline team, but this year, especially given the winning window and the young depth that they have, I like I feel very comfortable saying they're going to be active during the trade deadline. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Percentage chance, Ben, that Nelson Aguilar gets traded before the trade deadline. I said 5% on the previous pod, just like around there, but it's like, I would say it's like between like 5 and 15. Doesn't 5 seem a little low? I like, when I'm thinking about this more, and again, I'm going through these previews on uh, the position previews on bleedinggreennation.com, and I'm just, I'm thinking about Nelson Aguilar's role more. And I look at that Mike Clay projection, and I only see 410 yards for him. 36 receptions, three touchdowns. Only so many mouths to feed, man. Yeah, but, and I, and I get that. And it just, but that makes it crazier that the Eagles are paying this guy $9.4 million, you know, to be, you know, their slot receiver on a team that is seemingly phasing that, or at least kind of should be, you know, phasing that position out a little bit with the emergence of one Dallas Goddard. So it just seems like, man, like, isn't this just weird? Like, isn't Nelson, and, and you have to consider too, like, how does Nelson Aguilar feel about that? Because he's going into a contract year. If he, his role was suddenly getting all decreased, like, I don't think he loves that. Because that's hurting his nope. chance to make money soon. So I and Aguilar famously does not is not great at handling situations like that. So he's very interesting to watch. Why do you say that? Do we know something there? I just I things have been told about mm. Aguilar's just general okay. demeanor and the way he handles himself. All right. So yeah, I definitely think that's that's not like immediate. You know, I don't think that's like watch this right, right. now. I think that's something to kind of like keep on the back burner, keep in mind. I I just more and more I'm thinking like man, I just. I really wonder about that. Uh, and it is weird, too, because I think you have to consider in the context of, okay, the $9.4 million isn't that crazy when you consider the Eagles are really trying to go all in for the Super Bowl this year. So they're going to be fine right. overspending in some places. But even so, it just seems a little weird to me. Uh, but getting back to my list, um, since you gave yours there, I'm going to switch over to the defense. And I will say the interior defensive line been healthy young men for as much as we may have concerns about the edge depth in that situation as a whole that is very much not the case with the interior defensive line i mean i i almost think we're not giving enough weight to the fact that timmy jernigan who was a very good starting defensive tackle for the eagles Mm -hmm. mostly more so in the first half of 2017 but still overall pretty good He's a backup on this team now. Like, what the hell? Like, that's awesome. Like, that's great. Yeah, I wrote this in a in a previous post. The Eagles returned four of five starters on the offensive line from their Super Bowl win, and three of four defensive starters from their Super Bowl win. And the guys who are not starting are both backups. Yeah, Jernigan and Wisniewski. That's crazy. That's bananas. I, that's a really good way to frame it too. I hadn't thought about that. So kudos to you, Ben. Thank you. Uh, just Fletcher Cox. I mean, now he's coming off a foot injury. And someone emailed me last week, and they said that could be a sneaky concern. And I agree. That's fair to, to, to bring up. He had a or seemingly serious foot injury. Uh, he was doing some rehab work when I saw him out there on the field in 
spring practices. So it's not like he was out of sight, out of mind. It seems like he is, you know, working his way back. Hopefully we will see him at some point in training camp. I don't think he'll be ready from day one. And that's okay, you know, as long as he makes it back by the season, hopefully, and he's healthy by then. But, I mean, let's just say Fletcher Cox is ready for the season. So you have him. And then you have Malik Jackson. Ben, is Malik Jackson the best, like, in terms of a pass rusher? Is he the best pass rusher? That like full time defensive tackle. So I'm not saying like Michael Bennett. I'm saying like the full full time defensive tackle is Malik Jackson the best pass rusher that Fletcher Cox has ever played directly next to. Oh well, okay. I promise you, he's better than like Bo Allen, Cedric Thornton, yeah, like that that quadri. Benny Logan. You yeah, you could argue Jernigan was better, mm-hmm. and like I would want to like check pre you know pre injury healthy Jernigan, but my gut says yes. Like Jackson had a down year last year, and I acknowledge that, mm-hmm. but Jackson is. And and you said like kind of like Bennett, like Jackson's like a lighter interior guy, but he makes sense with the way that Bennett won. Jackson and and, and Fletch next to each other is going to be uh, a, a a bit of a problem. It's going to be it's going to be a bit bit of a hassle for opponents. It's going to be a little inconvenient. And then you bring Jernigan off the bench, who again, like even if you want to argue right. that it's Jernigan who is better, fine. Like, you know, he's still on the team too. Uh, like we were go. talking about. And then even going like four deep, who who do you have there at that point? Like Trayvon Hester? Like I thought he, he was pretty solid last year for a, a role that was probably too big for him, ideally. So, suddenly like you shift him as your fourth defensive tackle and it's like, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, so I really love the interior... I think we're going to get so much disruption from that unit this year. I think it's going to be awesome for as much, again, concern that we have about the edges. I think quarterbacks are going to be super uncomfortable uh, up the middle, and that is great. That is awesome. That's going to be awesome to see. So I'm very excited for that disruptiveness to be back in the middle. What about you, Ben? I'm staying on the offense. I think all of mine are offense, which is not good, besides Josh Sweat. Um, and this is just a pure in my heart. The rest of these are just like in my heart things I'm excited for. J.J. Arcega Whiteside's first touchdown. I'm really excited because for people who watched the Draft Network's live stream at the draft show or just followed me on Twitter for draft season, like Arcega Whiteside, I, I loved this kid since the summer. And I never even thought the Eagles would take him. I thought Deshaun, Alshon, Aguilar, they're not really going to go, you know, wide receiver that early, right? And like they really weren't around Arcega Whiteside. They go ahead, they select him. And now, like, like, you know, Arcega Whiteside, his strength as a player in Stanford was in the red zone, his ability to win that goal line fade. And when you watch Stanford, like, I got to watch, I got to do a Stanford game live and scout them live against Notre Dame. He had a, right. a goal line fade. He had a goal line. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, he had a goal line. <laughs> he had a goal line fade touchdown catch against Notre Dame, against Julian Love, corner from Notre Dame, who's now on the Giants. When that ball's up in the air and you know it's our Sega Whiteside who's going for it and he's so successful on goal line fades, it's a really cool moment. It like hangs there because it's a little special when he goes for it. He was such an effective receiver on that particular route. So I'm really excited for his first fade catch touchdown. It's what he specializes in. I'm sure it's a big part of why the Eagles selected him. They want to throw him those footballs. And it's I love it when rookies score their first touchdown, when rookies get their first interception, when rookies get their first sack. It's just so cool. It's so wholesome. It just gets you really pumped. And so I'm, I'm excited for J.J. Arcega-Whiteside's first touchdown. J.J., Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. I mean, everybody is at least six, three. Good luck. Just like good luck defending that. I can't wait to see that. I think JJ, you know, it's going to be a, um, an interesting year for him in terms of playing time and how that's split up. I think the red zone is a real role he should have. Um, right. He will have, you know, it's not going to, he's not going to finish the season, you know, barring injury with like this high snap count. It's going to be very situational, but that is a situation where he should be used. And another reason why I think, you know, Nelson Aguilar on this team, it's kind of like, you know, curious. I don't think we're going to see a ton of Aguilar 
in the red zone as I get quieter and try to move on to a different subject. And <laughs> one of the next things I am excited about here, uh, I didn't have a long thing on this. I'm just, you know, Brandon Graham is probably my f- most favorite player on the team. Uh, obviously, we have the same initials, which is more important than anything. Bias. And it's very self-serving. But also, this guy happens to be the guy who made the biggest play in Eagles history when he strip-sacked Tom Brady and the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Pretty cool moment. I'm looking forward to Brandon Graham getting back on track. I think people kind of were down on him or have been down on him in general just for you know a long time, obviously. But just like he made, what, four and a half sacks last year? And I just mm-hmm. think people kind of forget that he had surgery in May last year. Like he had ankle surgery in May, not like right, right. after the season in May. Like he had a late surgery because of um, in May. Yeah, in May. Um, I think it was because if maybe I have this wrong, but I think it was because um, like he wanted some time to you know enjoy the off season, like before he had to get the surgery and then like be out of commission for a while. So. Yeah, so I think that affected him in a big way. And I think we underrate Brandon Graham most of the time in some ways. I think back to last year's playoff game against the Saints, and he forces that huge force fumble. That was huge. And I don't think they didn't recover that one, right, if, I, if memory serves. So ultimately, you know, it, it wasn't as big as it should have been. But the point being, like, Brandon Graham makes huge plays for this team. He has shown he's capable of doing it. I think he will bounce back in a big way this season. Uh, he's aiming for those double-digit sacks. I don't know if he gets there, you know, because that's it's just, you know, it's not really his history. It's just, it just will always be out of reach for Brandon Graham for whatever reason. But, he, but he's still going to be a really important player on this team, and especially, you know, with these pass rush questions and this, this lack of edge depth potentially. Like, he's going to be more important than ever, really, in my mind. So just really excited to see Brandon Graham. How could you not be excited to see one of the most fun-loving and, like, smiley and happy guys on the team? So... Brandon Graham, can't wait to see him. It's the bye week. It's week 10. Philadelphia has faced the Redskins, the Falcons, the Lions, the Packers, the Jets, the Vikings, the Cowboys, the Bills, and the Bears. I don't want to say it, but there's six games there that they're going to win. And then there's three (laughs) games there that might get like a little bit interesting. Mm. But generally speaking, the Eagles have a really good chance to be like seven or two, eight and one at the bye week, which is exciting. That by week is week 10. Week 11 is home against the Patriots, mm, which is baby. the first time they've played the Patriots regular season since the Super Bowl. There's a chance the Eagles are like have like the best record tied for the best record in the NFC and the Patriots have the best record in the AFC. Like this game is is like right now it's, it's, a, it's, it's a late afternoon CBS game. There's a great chance it gets flexed. I don't know if you can flex 11. I don't understand the flex rules. I always try to and I always get them wrong. Regardless, huge game. This will be like the game of the week. And I'm so there. I love... The first matchup post Super Bowl between the two teams. I just think the build up gets so fun. I love it. Like I hope Lane Johnson takes it super personally. The fact that the Eagles get two weeks to prepare for it is great. And then what's cool is like they get the Patriots, and then the next week is the Seahawks, which is a tough, uh, a tough you know two teams right there. But then after that, it's Dolphins, Giants, Redskins, Cowboys, Giants. So they have Dolphins who will be pretty bad. Giants will be awful twice, and then the Redskins who probably will still be bad so like they finished the season on a pretty light kick Patriots and Seahawks really the last two big games and so assuming they are where we want them to be Patriots Seahawks that that stint uh, could be like you know the real gut check time where they like seal up a really high seed in the NFC and so this is like a super thrilling week for them and then if you go and you look at the Patriots schedule like I said the Eagles could be seven and two eight and one Patriots as is typically the the the, the case with being in the AFC East 
also do not have a tough schedule. And so like this could be like a clash of the Titans sort of a game that I think is going to be thrilling. It's going to be at home. Hopefully it gets flexed at night. Oh man, like that. I'm really, really excited. I know you're excited for a different matchup, but the Patriots game, because it's the rematch of Super Bowl 52, I'm excited for that one. Ben, uh, I can report this for a fact. Uh, Brandon Graham, his rebound uh, is not on Tom Brady's list of the most exciting things about this upcoming season. I don't think he's looking forward Amen, to seeing brother. Brandon Graham again. That is going to be an awesome game. What if Brandon Graham is at like nine sacks by week <laughs> 10, which like would be absurd. He'd have a sack in every game. But what if he breaks double digits on Brady? What if they win in the same way? Like what if, you know, they like that's literally, Dude. you know, the game clinching play again. Like just like Tom Brady right. like has to like somehow do something where like Brandon Graham. Tom Brady's got to give Brandon Graham a ring. Just give Brandon Graham one of your six rings. He has to do something. Like, it's just like, he owns him. Like, so I I can't wait. That's going to be both like exciting and also (laughs) nerve wracking and, uh, and great overall. Great. Mm -hmm. You know, that's obviously like the big one or one of the big ones on the schedule this year. But for me, it's a little more basic. You know, this this isn't complex. It's beating the Cowboys, man. The Eagles lost to the Cowboys twice last year. And it was BS, especially the oh second my, time. Oh, that overtime game. Even See, I, I hate this. And I hate the whole – I hate everything that comes with it. Oh, Carson's not as good as Dak. Dak's like, I hate it so much because it's so results over process oriented. I hate it. You think back to that second Cowboys game last year because the first one, it was just an ugly game all around. But the Cowboys uh-huh. won it fair and square, I would say. Like, the Eagles deserved to lose that game. They were playing like crap. The second game, the Eagles' offense was not playing well. Carson specifically was not playing well early in that second Cowboys game. But, I mean, I I can't get over it. I think I've talked about it on this podcast. I've talked about it. I've written about it. I've, I can't get over the no-clear recovery thing. Like, and how how much of a like a kick in the you-know-what, like, that – you start the game with that. Like, that's – I don't even – like, that's, it was so unconscionable when that moment happened. Like, I, I – I had such a hard time focusing on like writing what I had to write during the game for work during that game because it's like I, I, this isn't even a fair game. <laughs> this is not a fair fight. Like I, I'm looking at a picture of three or four Eagles players like on top of football with no Cowboys players even in the frame, and somehow we are looking at this not even live because look officials make mistakes live. That's just the nature of the game. We are looking at this on this replay. This is amazing right now, by the way. We are looking. You keep at, it going, though. We are, we are looking at this on replay, and we are determining we can't. The, we can't prove that the Eagles recovered this ball. It's just like how. It's like we can't prove this month right now is July. We just can't. It's impossible. <laughs> like we can't do it. Like we can't prove that the sky is blue. Like it's just. It, you, there's no way to tell. Like it's just. It was so unconscionable to me, and the fact that the Cowboys benefited. Like hugely from that because the Eagles get the ball there, they score, they set the tone for the game. Instead, you know, it goes how it goes. And even still, even with that horrendous call, you know, the Eagles have a chance to win. You know, some of the Carson Wentz isn't clutch narrative. To, I look back at that game. I mean, he was pretty clutch to me because he tied the game up late in that game. And he ultimately, you know, got them to overtime. For as bad as he was, he put them on a huge drive to tie that game with a broken back, mind you. And, you know, he came up huge. And if the Eagles would have gone for two there, which I wanted them to, they could have potentially won the game. Wow. You're, I, don't, I couldn't even remember that context. And you're like, I can't believe they didn't go for two. <laughs> I thought about this way too much. So, But this is why I'm excited, Ben. I want to see the Eagles 
let's not even just beat the Cowboys this year. Not once, twice. Sweep the Cowboys. You need to get them back for last year. Beat the freaking Cowboys. Like you, the Eagles are better than this Cowboys team. This Cowboys team is getting way too much hype heading into this season. I know Dallas. Oh, it must be uh, the NFL offseason of any year ever. I, yes, right? But they are good. I'm not saying they're a bad. I don't think they're a bad team, just to be clear. They have pieces. I, I get it. I get why they're getting some hype. But like to me, the Eagles are clearly better than they have the better quarterback for one and they have the better head coach for number two it's not even close so i just want to see the eagles not crap the bed this time and go out and beat dallas because they can do it i know they can they're better than that team ultimately and i want to see them beat them and take back the division because the division should be theirs amen brother i'm inspired (laughs) i feel it it is very interesting though because uh at this point Peterson, for all of his great records as a head coach, like, you know, he's undefeated versus McVay, he is two and four against the Cowboys. They smacked him around once in 2017, and then they won an ugly one in 2016. But they've lost the last three. Like, again, some of those games were such coin flips, right? I mean, the overtime game in Peterson's rookie season. Which, that was the Cowboys walk down the field in the last drive, but that one also ended 29 Yeah, but Dak throws, like, a, 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 like, a sure pick to Leotis McKelvin, and it's, like, barely just hits the ground. It's, like, barely dropped. Like, that would have been the game. Okay, right there, late I'm not game. even going to even pretend that I remember that, <laughs> life, because this is just weird. I'm, di- I'm just saying, like, the Cowboys are winning these games on, like, the narrowest of margins. It's not sustainable. Like, they have not demonstrated that they are clearly better than the Eagles. Like, it's just, like, every time they get the breaks to go their way. I mean, in, again, in Dallas last year, um, they win the coin toss, which is, like, a, a, literally a coin flip. And they just got luckier than the Eagles did in that situation. And then Dak throws a bad pass that gets deflected by Rizal Douglas, and it goes into Amari Cooper's hands. And the Cowboys went like it's and that and to, like we're deciding that the Cowboys are just better than the Eagles, and and Dak is better than Wentz because of that. It's like it's insanity to me because again, it's not process. It's just like results over process. And, and I just think in the long term, in the long run. As things do, a good process will beat out uh, those results. So that's where I'm stuck on, Ben. Okay, I looked up 2016 Eagles Cowboys Leotis McKelvin on YouTube, but nothing <laughs> so far. I'll watch it later. Just look it up on my Twitter. I have it there. I'm sure you do. My last one is 87% a joke. Okay? I cannot stress this enough. It's like 79% a joke. It's 63% a joke. I'm excited. In general, oh boy, for training camp takes. I love training camp takes. There's nothing better than being like, listen, I've never seen this player before until today, but he made two good plays, so he'll probably make the 53-man roster. Like, it's like, we're all so thirsty for anything football. We're like, you know, shaking and like quivering and like, you know, salivating, like you said, like drooling at the corners of the mouth that anytime any player makes a good play, we're like, oh, wow, he could probably get into a sub-package role by week five. And so... I love training camp takes, and because I'm me, the Uh-oh. training camp takes I'm most excited about Uh-oh. are the Danelle Pumphrey training oh, camp Oh, no, takes. Ben, you said... I said, very proudly I am, because last year it happened. Last year it was, oh, wow, Pumphrey looks faster. Oh, wow, Pumphrey's very involved. And it was happening this year during minicamp, during OTAs. It was like, oh, Pumphrey's doing this. Oh, Pumphrey's catching these passes. Ben, back. what are you doing? And then, <laughs> and then, by the second week of training camp, he'll... Come up Gimby with his hamstring again because he can't play at an NFL weight, which we have mm. to acknowledge and accept. And then the Eagles will cut him again. He'll go somewhere else. And who knows what will happen. But I'm very excited for that one week where everybody asks me on Twitter. Like, I'll just suddenly get, like, 14 notifications. I'll be like, oh, one of the Eagles beats must have tweeted about Danelle Pumphrey. And I'll look, and that's always what it is. And it's 
amazing. I just want to say for the record, Ben. So this is my this is my scenario that I've envisioned. I don't think I've revealed it to you, Ben. But like, watch this be the year Donald Pumphrey is actually like good. It makes the team. I have be- I have the worst fear that it happens. Because, but because you don't get no credit for that at this point, because you, for the record, you abandoned the Donald Donald Pumphrey hype train, and you're aboard the Boston Scott hype train now. I, I know a lot of people still think you are on the Donald Pumphrey bandwagon, right. but you are not. Um, officially your well, ticket. Well, the thing is, I'm 100% fence riding. I will very gladly <laughs> claim either bandwagon for which everyone ends up successful. And that's fair, but I will also have to remind people, like, it's, look, it's not like I want to do this. I am legally obligated to remind people that you, <laughs> you have abandoned Donald Pumphrey, uh, when he needed you most. And I just think it would be funnier that way, you know, in, in, just in the scope of this whole bit. It's like, all right, I just, I give up on him now. And then he just like plays well. I just, <laughs> I think that would be so funny. Again, I'm not actually seriously counting on that happening. I think it is, you know, Boston Scott who seems to be in good position for some kind of I don't I don't even know if I want to say roster spot, but for something. Doug Peterson literally said like this is the guy they envisioned to replace Darren Sproles. And I thought that was like, oh, like wow, you're just coming out and saying that. And Boston Scott is taking first team punt return reps and kick return reps. So and if he doesn't make the team, mm-hmm. who's their returner? So Here's the thing. If one of Danelle Pumphrey or Boston Scott if one of Daniel Pumphrey and Boston Scott, excuse me, don't make the team, then it's very likely that one of Josh Adams and Wendell Smallwood did. So really, everybody should be with me on Boston Scott slash Daniel Pumphrey Hive so that Wendell Smallwood and Josh Adams are not actually taking snaps anymore. Or they just bring back Sproles at that point. I mean, I, yeah, I don't I don't know. Which I, I still want slash expect slash hope that they do it just for one more season. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, I don't think that's... I don't think the door is necessarily closed on that for sure. I think it is... Uh, as I've said with stillness before, I think it's an issue. I think it's a thing where like Doug would love to have him, and Doug would be like, "Yeah, let's bring him in." And how he's like, "Well, right. hold on a sec, <laughs> like, yeah, well, like, maybe not." He is thirty six, <laughs> so um, we'll see how that one goes. Um, but my last thing here, uh, and I know this this might sound weird to you, Ben, and might sound weird to a lot of people who listen to the podcast and read Bleeding Green Nation. No, this this is very this is very legit. I'm excited to be wrong. I mean, yeah. it's, it's hard for me to say as someone who's just, you know, right, obviously, about every single thing. So it, it will be the first time that this happens, that I am wrong, especially when it comes to something, you know, like Nick Foles, obviously. And what I mean by that isn't just me specifically, but kind of all of us in general, especially because obviously everyone else is more wrong than me. The unpredictability of this season. You know, I was listening back to um, some old podcasts. I, did, I listened to one from Bowen Shiel. You know, Birds with Friends, the Super Bowl podcast, like the, the one they actually did right after the Super Bowl. Right. I saw Bo reposted that. Yeah. And I was just thinking, and like, it's funny, even if you listen to maybe probably one of the old BGN radios, like you hear things you say in the past that like are just so wrong. Uh, and some things you get right. I'm not saying it's always wrong. Um, some of the things you do have a good feel for. And it's fun to look back on those things and be like, I read this well, and that's cool. Um, but there, there's just so many things. It's inevitable like that we're going to be wrong about. And that's why it's kind of funny because we talk about like, you know, we we talk in such absolutes, I feel like at this point of the year or like we, we, no, all, we don't. Well, we have a good idea. Mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, you know, of things like how things are going to go. We're like some of the things we've already talked about in this show, for example, like the running backs are going to be better. I mean, they might not be. <laughs> they, they might be somehow worse. PLG, knock on wood. Don't bring uh, that, bat, that, I, that evil. I'm not trying to. I'm just saying like some of these things like, that we expect like could, easily go the opposite way for better or for worse and that's something uh i think that's kind of fun to think about like in the sense of and something that's important to remember in the sense like we might think things are going to go a certain way 
And they might go that way. And they also just might not. And they might go totally sideways. So that's part of but that's part of the fun, ultimately. Like that's that's what made the Super Bowl so fun in retrospect. Like the fact that I mean, Nick Foles almost retires and then he's the Super Bowl MVP and he's playing like lights out in the playoffs. The fact that Doug Peterson, you know, he gets hired and we're like, who the hell is this guy? Like we don't I don't even know who this is, essentially, as a head coach candidate. And then he wins the first Super Bowl in Philadelphia history. Like, there's so many things like you can just can never even predict or project because they can just be so crazy at the time. But then when it happens, it's like this is reality now. So I guess that's kind of one thing I'm I'm looking forward to. Just like the fact that you know the, the NFL season can be so unpredictable, and I think that's just part of what makes it fun ultimately. No, dude, I one thousand percent agree. Like every time we talk about like oh, like I really hope the Eagles run more twelve personnel. In the back of my head, I go. Well, okay, like if I think the Eagles are going to run a lot more 12 personnel, then I really hope Peterson and Grow have something else that we don't know about yet that's not 12 personnel. Because, like, of course, everybody, you know, wants them to run, expects them to run more 12 personnel. Like, the surprises, the new developments are what's thrilling, you know what I mean? Like, all of Kansas City was on the edge of their seat last year to figure out what Mahomes was, and he exceeded everybody's expectations, you know what I mean? Like, that's that anticipation of, like, the part of football that you can't control, which is a really big part of it, is so much fun like that's that's why the game is still interesting to cover and watch you know after so many years and with so many different outlets doing so much good work as because there's just so much that's unknown and understood there's constant discovery so i love that last one i think that's great thank you ben do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this one up yeah josh Sweat's gonna be good Daniel puppy's gonna make the team welcome <laughs> to training camp takes i'm gonna miss you this year yeah buddy it's gonna be it's gonna be lonely it's just gonna be me yeah, you're I'm not going to have a little the only voice floating like, at your elbow, constantly asking you like questions and getting takes off about players. I can't complain about Santormac. It's going to be really depressing just to not have oh, you there. Oh, wow. So sad. Okay. We'll find another bad contract. Yes. LJ Fort. Nelson Aguilar. Sandejo. He'll be gone. So it'll be fun still. Sorry. Without you. Just because it's Eagles football. And it'll be starting before okay. we know it. And we'll be here to break it down. I'm sure I'll be talking with you and Michael Kist and... And everyone here on BGN Radio kind of giving you the recaps of what I saw each. Well, I don't know if we're going to do it each day, but, you know, at, at some point we will figure it out. Last year, you know, the whole podcast situation was very dumb and we didn't even do any training camp podcast because of the craziness that was going on there. So it'll be exciting this year to actually have training camp coverage podcast wise on BGN Radio. So looking forward to that. Uh, just the one final thought I had here was shout out to Julie Ertz. And the USA team. Hey, and, big uh, ups. Carly Lloyd, obviously, for giving the Eagles a big shout out in her parade speech. Uh, very awesome. Uh, very good job by the ladies to represent USA very well in winning their fourth World Cup total and second one in a row. So, very cool stuff. Uh, you know, shout out to those ladies for being really awesome. I think that just about does it here, Ben, on this episode of BGN Radio, episode 62. It was great to have you here with me as John Stolness enjoys a vacation. I uh, appreciate you filling in. There's a lot of things to be excited about for this Eagles season, as we just talked about. Of course, once again, we will be covering it here on BleedingGreenNation.com, BGN Radio, the Kiss and Soul Act Show. All that good stuff. So make sure you continue to leave those ratings and reviews and you subscribe on you know, an op, Apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts so you do not miss an episode. It's very important not to miss one uh, and get all the inside jokes and, and just news and analysis and everything you can get here at BGN Radio. So thank you for listening and we will talk to you next time. Cold close. That doesn't make sense.
P-G-N.